you know, side note, we did get a lot of flack by people saying that wasn't a tiny house. Oh my gosh, 28 feet. That is ridiculous. Yeah. And we're like, I feel like we could have gone a little bigger, yeah. but I guess not. <laughs> but it was almost like, well, you know, you guys do you. This was us living in the space. In their own process for going tiny in 2014, my guests Joshua and Shelly Ingberg decided to design a custom trailer for their dream tiny home. Frustrated by how difficult the process was, they decided to go into business as Tiny House Basics and now build over 450 custom tiny house trailers per year. In this interview, we'll hear Joshua and Shelly's tiny story, their tips for finding an ideal parking spot, and we'll nerd out about trailer features from tube steel to threaded rods. I hope you stick around. I want to tell you about something that I think will be super helpful as you plan, design, and build your tiny house. Tiny House Decisions is the guide that I wish I had when I was building my tiny house. It comes in three different packages to help you on your unique tiny house journey. And if you're struggling to just figure out the systems for your tiny house, you know, like how you're going to heat it, how you're going to plumb it, you know, what construction technique are you going to use, like sips or stick framing or steel framing. Tiny House Decisions will take you through all these processes systematically and help you come up with a design that works for you. Right now, I'm offering 20% off any package of Tiny House Decisions. For listeners of the show, you can head over to thetinyhouse.net slash THD to learn more and use the coupon code TINY at checkout for 20% off any package. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD and use the coupon code TINY for 20% off. Right. I am here with Shelly and Joshua Ingberg. Shelly and Joshua started planning to build a tiny house in June of 2014 in order to simplify their lives and get back to basics and escape the high cost of living in the San Francisco Bay Area. With Joshua having a background in custom trailers and metal fabrication and Shelly in interior design, they started downsizing and designing their custom tiny house. The original plan was to build their own tiny house trailer, but instead they designed a custom frame and had it built to their exact specs from a factory. With the help of many of their talented friends, they built their own self-designed 374-square-foot home in a few short months. One of the biggest challenges was the trailer and getting one custom to their needs, so that is how Tiny House Basics was born. Shelly and Joshua Engberg, welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. We're excited <laughs> to be a part of it. Yeah, excited to have you on. Um, I, you know, you've been around making tiny house trailers, and so so many of of my kind of email subscribers and people in tiny house engage my online community. Many many of them have bought trailers from you, and um, but I kind of want to rewind. I, I I love to hear the story about people going tiny. So, you know, can you can you say more about how you got interested in tiny house living and, and what, you know, what convinced you to take the plunge? <laughs> We've both had the story down. Path, I know. But, <laughs> Who wants to leave? Yeah. Josh can leave. <laughs> so um, in 2014, we were married for about three years that time period. And we were renting a house in the San Francisco Bay area. Rent prices at that time. I mean, of course they've gone up a lot since then, but they were expensive at the time. And we kind of got to a point 
to where we either needed to either move out of state or drastically change the way we were living. And we didn't really understand what that meant. And we were kind of familiar with tiny houses at that period of time. We, we really remember kind of a specific dinner with some friends in yeah. Berkeley. And they were telling us about tiny houses to where like, they were like under hundred square feet and we're like, Oh, that's cool and all, but yeah, not going to happen <laughs> for us. Yeah. Um, and so it was just kind of a passing thought, but we, we, on our third year anniversary, right. We went to yeah, um, yeah. our family's longtime cabin in Washington state and kind of just, it was a really small cabin built in early 1900s and um, log cabin. And so we kind of were like, kind of like in the small space. And then uh-huh. we came back home and we were just watching movies at night. And uh, that ne- very next week, we came across the documentary. I think it's Tiny. Yeah, on uh, Netflix. Yeah, Story of Living Small. And, and it was the first time where it seemed like there were uh, a bit of a more normal size, like a normal yeah. size of a tiny house, like not sub 100 square feet, where it was kind of like, hey, like, like we couples do this and, you know, kind yeah. of like, it wasn't just like a single person yeah. or, and we just totally connected with several of the people on there. And it just seemed like a practical, realistic thing that we could do. And then from that point on, we're like, that's it. This is the answer. We're staying in California. We're going to do a tiny house. We're going to figure it out. Yeah. We just figured like, you know, we can try it. Renting. We were renting. Uh, we thought about buying, but again, it's very expensive. Putting down roots. We just weren't sure. We were newly married. So like, we don't know where we want to live long-term and buy like we don't want to buy that crazy expensive house <laughs> so um with the idea of the tiny house being smaller but not crazy small we liked it because it's less maintenance it would allow us time to travel and actually just I don't know, not me yeah and it was like things like the composting toilet or other aspects that are kind of synonymous with tiny house living didn't weren't a big deal for us because we are well, big I like mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean that that was we we both grew up camping so camping boating like we're very familiar with that but you know composting toilet full-time was a little more Spanish for one of us clearly so with going tiny there was the rule since we were going to have to do a composting toilet I would do that but Josh had to change the composting toilet every single time so and the rule's still in effect, it's still it's still in effect. effect. it works out that way <laughs> it sure mm-hmm. is yeah I was I have main... not changed it in one time I think that also that responsibility has also fallen to me pretty much a hundred percent of the time uh, between yeah. my wife and I, not because she wouldn't do it, but I think I just, you know, the compost pile, it's like, it's almost like another pet, you know, you have to like manage it and like have the, you have the thermometer in there. Is it dry? Is it thirsty? Does it need, you know, what does it need? So, yeah. so your You're, tiny it's house. It's like taking out the trash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like taking out the trash. So did you ever like, think about trying to live in the San Francisco Bay area in a tiny house, or did you know that that was kind of a non-starter? We are in, we are still in the San Francisco oh, Bay area. Okay. And so that was, yeah. Yeah. So, so we were like, we are staying here. We're staying here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're okay. going to make this happen, but we are not going to pay the Bay area prices right now. <laughs> yeah. Got we're it. about an hour uh, from here to downtown San Francisco. And it was just kind of like, we always looked out of the aspect of like, you know, yeah, finding land is always a challenge. Everybody talks about finding land, but we're not looking to, you know, I guess change the mind of a 
large group of people. We only needed one person. We only needed one landowner, mm. one situation. That's all we were looking for. Right. And we found it and we've been in the same place. But since. with that being said, like at that time, they were so new that there was definitely an education process. So even right. when we were looking, it was describing to people that like, no, we're not coming in on a shack on your property. Like this is like a well-equipped living space yeah. and uh, explaining to them, you know, the functionality of how it plugs in, sewage, that we didn't need sewage, you know, all these kind of different factors. So now they're so common that people know what's needed. But at the time, it was definitely a very big education process for yeah. people. And we definitely, when, you know, I know we're kind of skipping ahead a little bit, but when we were looking for land, we definitely looked at the aspect of like, when we're approaching landowners and stuff like that, what could we bring to the table? What are we offering to you? Not, we're not looking for a free ride. Yeah. Not, <laughs> I want to pay a couple hundred dollars a month. I want this. I want this. We were kind of trying to look at it in the other point of view. Like if we own um, a property that we had to pay property taxes on, who would we want on our property? Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. and what kind of space would that worked out for us? And that kind of mindset was kind of like in a little article that we wrote. And a lot of our customers have found great success kind of just following those almost simple principles of just kind of like really putting yourself in other people's shoes. Because you're going to be, you know, interacting with the landowner, maybe, you know, sometimes, but maybe not a bunch or maybe a ton. Or maybe a lot. Yeah. Um, so when you kind of look at it as like a relationship where it is a two-way street, I think that we definitely benefited from that. And our landowners are like totally family at this point. Yeah, we found like yeah. what I mean. That's like perfect they're, Yeah, I mean, he's like a really good buddy. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Been mutually beneficial. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I've heard I've heard from a lot of guests that even the relationships that they form just with their landowner and the people around them, that they value those so much and that they wouldn't have really had that had they just, you know, bought a single family home and moved in. Like you don't you don't develop the same kind of relationship with the people around you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Agree. Yeah. yeah. So how long did the the process the land search process take you and and at what point in your build were you doing this was it was the house like under construction was it before you built or was it like was it done and you're like we need to find a place we definitely focused on the build at the beginning and we knew that we would we just kind of knew we would find a place yeah so you're kind of like we we know at first we were like okay i'm gonna build the trailer in in the driveway yeah I've built trailers before I've been, I had a background in aviation mechanics where mm -hmm. I've learned how to weld. So it was like, okay, so we're going to build the trailer in uh, the driveway of our rental. But then just once we decided on the size of 28 feet, I just kind of thought I was like, okay, maybe it's going to be a little bit challenging deal with like 28 foot beams of, you know, steel. And, you know, maybe my landlords and neighbors aren't going to be super awesome about that, you know. For yeah, because we were in just reasons. like a very residential suburban area. Yeah. So. <laughs> so we, at that point, I kind of, we sketched out of the design and for the trailer with some kind of fine tuning. And then we kind of started building factories to kind of build it. Yeah. And when I'd say, hey, I want a tiny house trailer, nobody wanted anything to do with it. But when I just when I just approached it as in, hey, this is this customized trailer I want to these specifications. Can you build it? Then people were more open to talk about it. Interesting. And so we, yeah, so we we had the trailer built, and it was about uh, about eight to ten weeks to build the trailer, and that was kind of like go time. 
I'm curious, like what? So, so when I bought a trailer for my tiny house bill that I started in 2012, you know, I was aware that, that like it was possible to design, to have a custom trailer built, but like the whole process was so overwhelming to me. And the, you know, the, the mindset or the, the common wisdom at the time was like, okay, you buy a utility trailer, you remove every other like pressure treated deck board from it. You build your frame on top of that. So what I'm curious, like what your thinking was back then, like what was it that you were looking for in the trailer that you couldn't just get like stock on a utility trailer? Yeah. So we, yeah, yeah, I know nothing about this. <laughs> um, had many trailers, always enjoyed towing for some weird reason. Well, but you've, you've towed a lot. Yeah, towed you, a lot. Even line, in lines of work, he's done yeah. a lot of towing. So. so one of the basic things was a standard utility trailer or car hauler is 82 inches wide. That's the deck that is in between the wheel wells. That's the usable surface area. But a trailer could be eight and a half feet wide. So why am I losing, you know, 20 inches of width to just, you know, to make do with the utility trailer? And as we know, like in a tiny house, 20 inches is huge. Yes. So oh, yeah. Because we would map it in the driveway. And, you know, by losing that 20 inches of width, that was a huge deal. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, then we have the challenge of the wheel wells. But I, we try not to look at the wheel wells as like a, um, a challenge. I'm, I say a negative, just more of like a... Uh, something to work with something to work, work with. around and so we're like yeah. well we'll just treat it like a wheel i mean sorry treat it like a window frame over it and so that's kind of where the idea is like well i'll just design the trailer deck mm-hmm. to hold the load at the widest point possible so 102 inches wide and then so that's kind of where that came from is just not finding a tiny house trailer at the time that did a true 102 inch wide deck and so i was like well we are totally going into this full steam and this is a big deal for us. So I want the max amount of space because we felt 28 feet at the time was the biggest tiny house possible. And we, you know, side note, we did get a lot of flack by people saying that wasn't a tiny house. At yes. The time. At the time it was just like this big negative, like, Oh my gosh, 28 feet. That is ridiculous. Yeah. And we're like, I feel like we could have gone a little bigger, yeah. but I guess not. <laughs> but it was almost like, well, you know, you guys do you. This was us living in the space. Um, yeah. This feels tiny to us. Yes. Yeah. Tiny is subjective. And I still like feel 1,300 square feet too. And in total of 375, like it's a, you know, it's tiny compared in yeah. comparison. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of where it came from of just increasing that with utility trailers and car haulers have a lot of additional um, steel and unused kind of components that mm-hmm. contribute to the weight that are ideal for a car hauler but not necessarily functional or useful for a tiny house. And that kind of tips into the usable payload of how much the house could be. Awesome. So how did it, so you, you built, let's pick the story back up. So you, you had this custom trailer fabricated um, and you built your house on it. At what point did you say like, Hey, I could do this for other people. It was during the course of the build. Yeah. And um, I mean, during even just trying to get the trailer because it was, I mean, I don't, you probably already said it, but he would go and to other trailer manufacturers and say, Hey, I need this, this, and this, and I want it built to this spec. 
And once we would say the word tiny house, actually a lot of the big, the bigger trailer builders at the time literally laughed at us and said, hmm. <laughs> I no, I don't want any part of that. And it was like this like total snobbery of like, no, I'm not building a trailer for like those little things. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of like, wow, this is like this snobby. <laughs> why do you think that is? Like, why do you think they were so kind of put off by the idea that it was a tiny house trailer? I don't know. I think they were so they were still new. I mean, as you know, like when you guys did it, it's just it they weren't Passing they hadn't bad. they kept yeah, they hadn't caught on yet. And so People just kind of looked at him and was like, oh, they're little, like these little trailers. I don't know. It just, it, for whatever reason, you know, and they were some manufacturers that were like Midwest where, you know, homes are much larger and you can get them for cheaper. And, you know, mm-hmm. so it almost was like looked down upon a little bit, mm-hmm. like, oh, you're, you're downsizing to this like little box on wheels. I don't know that at the time it was, it seemed like those manufacturers definitely kind of looked down on it. From what yeah. we got. At yeah. Least. And yeah. so I was like, well, if I, and then when we, t- when I turned the table of just talking in terms and specifications of what I needed built, everything changed. I was like on their level playing field. And so I was like, well, if we had this kind of a challenge, not that we were anything special to anybody else, but if we had this kind of challenge of well, just kind with of having build, knowledge of, yeah. you know, exactly how you wanted it to be built and not saying, hey, I have a tiny house. Tell me what I need. Like you went in and it was like, this is, this is the layout. This is exactly how I need it built, you know? Yeah. So yeah, if we had that challenge, then. Yeah. Then so many other people probably had the same challenge. And so we were going kind of like, okay, let's kind of, let's, let's see if this is, let's see if there's something there. And then I think with just the idea of blogging or sharing on Instagram and our Instagram in a way came from just us wanting to share photos of photos that we wish we saw when we were planning. Yeah. Kind of before Pinterest had like tiny house stuff and Instagram had like no tiny house stuff. Um, back in 2014 and so that's kind of where that came from us us trying to share our life in it and then it kind of just started gaining traction and kind of making sense and uh it's been I mean it's been our full-time you know job since 2015 and we build on average even since then about 450 custom trailers a year Mm -hmm. and so it all just kind of stemmed from just that idea of us doing ourselves yeah. And then we were able to really kind of connect with people of because we still are tiny house dwellers and just kind of like bridge that gap. You know? So people don't have to worry about stressing about a trailer. You know, we're handling all that stuff and just kind of really help them focus on their design and stuff. Because like so. it's like the trailer really is, it's the necess- it's the necessary part, but it's not the most fun. Like in designing, it's not like, oh, cool, let me get dig into my interior. It's just like, ugh, I need this thing. <laughs> like, right. So, you know. It's not like a glamorous part, but it, it you need it. It's the foundation to your home is the same as when building a home. You know, the cement foundation that you're putting it on is not exciting, but you need it. Absolutely. So yeah. somebody's got to do it, right? <laughs> so yeah, wow, four hundred and fifty trailers a year—that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I had to count. How many people are involved in in building all those trailers? I'm I'm guessing it's not just the two of you like out there welding trailers together. Oh, no. So we have... Josh um, does not trust me with a welder. (laughs) (laughs) So we have four factories around the U.S. And these are, uh, you know, smaller custom factories, which are primarily doing our trailers. Right. So every single one is purely custom to where somebody could want a 98-inch wide deck. The next person could want a 100-inch deck. 
And, you know, and then people are like, hey, can I add this bump out? And they'll send me a sketch. And so it's just like everything is truly tailored to each individual because, I mean, as you're so familiar, you've been in this, you've been in the tiny house community for a long time. Everybody has different needs, wants, desire, desires, and tastes. Yep. And so it, that's kind of how we did it is like we tailored to each person's taste. Yeah. That's and like even um, something as simple as wheel well placement, wheel well. Yeah. Placements, it it seems kind of like oh basic, but it, I mean really that's like a big part of what people don't think about and placing it. And they'll do this whole design and then completely forget that there's a wheel well that they have to work around. And then sometimes they need it moved. And so you know Josh is kind of an expert at that and saying like hey yeah you can move it so far without it you know you still it's still a towable mm-hmm. vehicle in a sense. So it's like you need to have proper placement so you're not you know yeah and. Like um, (laughs) New Zealand tiny houses and Australia tiny houses, there's a lot of great plans out there, but their road dimensions are different. So, like, we spend a lot of time converting those when we have a customer that their design to what would make the most sense on an American made trailer, right? And kind of fine tuning from there. So, yeah, but yeah, we enjoy it. I mean, DIYs are, are the heart of the movement, and it's so much fun to be able to like work with individuals on their dreams and kind of desires and. And kind of just kind of give feedback on things that we've learned, you know, because we're still we're still figuring it all out. Mm-hmm. You know, we're six and a half years in, but um, our house is constantly changing. Um, as you can kind of see, like on our Instagram, we're constantly remodel. We just finished our kitchen remodel. Wow. You know, so it's like we're just always kind of tweaking it to our current needs. Yeah, stuff, I so. mean, it's been fun along the way. The nice part of that is it is a small space that you're going into it's not like you have this 2000 square foot house that you're like oh no it's going to cost me how much to redo a kitchen you know it's a small kitchen so it's still still going to be a little pricey but it's nothing compared to a traditional home yeah and I, I think it goes to show too is like just because you designed your tiny house a certain way it doesn't mean you are stuck with it forever yeah. you can change and you could change almost everything because, about it yeah i mean we ripped all our siding off in 2017 and went to like an aluminum siding. That was a crazy project. Yeah. Why'd you do that? We noticed when we did T111, the painter that we uh, hired to do it didn't properly seal like around the trim. And uh-huh. um, he ended up using like a, a type of stain and there was some water intrusion. Okay. And so we st- kind of had some rot on some of the T111. Mm-hmm. But we kind of noticed that a little bit, but we were actually just trying to kind of like change it. it wasn't our favorite choice, but it was the most economical choice at the time. To right. Do right. And then we removed it all the siding. We weighed it. All the siding for T111 was 1980 pounds. And then our new siding was 950 pounds. Wow. So we shed a thousand pounds in just the siding. And I think we wanted something just a little bit more lower maintenance where it's not like we're having to repaint it and refill it. And we found a company that is based out of Australia, but they do a lot of um, like homes or even deck projects and things like along, you know, the water, like oceans. Yeah. Highly, highly, (laughs) you know, high high salinity. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so we partnered with them and they like the idea of the project because it just shows i mean it's been great like the exterior you know if it gets dirty we literally just like hose it down and give it a clean again (laughs) you know we barely even have to do that but it's 
it's just so durable. And so, yeah, there's a lot of people um, in Hawaii even that will use it for decking due to the fact of the, you know, the harsh salt water and everything. So it'll um, withstand kind of the environment. Yeah. yeah. So and we I, thought, cool, stick this on a tiny house. That's great. <laughs> and I'm kind of into like gears, gear and tools. And I think that was just something I discovered through the search, you know, any kind of cool product that could be adapted. Nice. So I want to kind of nerd out a little bit for, for a minute or two on, on trailers. Um, since I've got the trailer expert on the call, um, I see so many different um, kind of designs and different materials. And I was curious, just starting with like what, I guess, I mean, obviously you make trailers, but if you were giving someone advice about what to look for in a tiny house trailer, you know, even if they weren't going to buy a trailer from you, what are, you know, what are some pieces of advice that, that you would give someone about looking for a tiny house trailer? When you're specking out a couple of design characteristics I'll, I'll tap into, but when you're specking out, I think one of the first things is kind of calculating what you think the house is going to weigh. It's mm -hmm. really hard to like narrow that down, you know, based off ideas or sketches. But I kind of say a couple numbers that have kind of been consistently a good estimation when people are kind of planning their length is, so say the trailer's like 28 feet long, it's good to estimate the house is going to weigh anywhere from like 500 to 550 pounds per linear foot of trailer deck length. So the buildable surface area of the trailer. So it's always good to get a trailer that is, you know, can handle that capacity at least. Now, design and uh, materials really plays into a part of that. A lot of like even our tiny house and even models we built just like it, a 28-foot tiny house, we estimated it probably was going to, you know, weigh like around 15, you know, 15, 16,000 pounds, ended up weighing 12,000, you know, 200 pounds with wood construction and T111 siding. So you can definitely go under that. So that's always the one thing is like, and then also, if you're getting a bigger trailer, because 10 foot wide trailers are super popular, they've been, you know, we've been doing them since 2016. When you're doing a 10 foot wide trailer, we say to go with a estimation of 59 pounds per square foot of livable space for the first floor. Um, that and then getting a capacity to handle that. There's a couple different characteristics of the trailer that make, you know, um, usability for building. One of our most popular options is called like flush cross members, um, which is like your, I guess this kind of calls back to like car haulers. So like when you're getting a, say you're getting a utility trailer or car hauler, you have that wood decking and you remove it. You're having this void that you got to fill between the top of the trailer frame and those cross members that were holding the lumber. So if you get flush cross members, they're flush with the top of the deck, you know, so you don't have any wood decking but you're using that trailer as the subfloor. You're laying your plywood subfloor directly to the deck. You're kind of saving all that time to have to build this wooden subfloor, drop it in the trailer and build it from there. Especially with like lumber being so expensive, anytime you could save lumber and not really lose anything, that's a huge, you know, mm -hmm. huge benefit. Another kind of big, you know, so if that's an option that you can get on the trailer you're looking for, definitely go for it because you're going to save a lot of time and effort on that. Another um, question we get is, you know, about axles, you know, so like, yeah, 
triple versus double. Yeah. I would say kind of the teetering point where you're going for a length of trailer. 24-foot trailers are usually perfect at tandem 7K. 26-foot, you're kind of in that middle ground. Um, you're usually pretty good by doing 14K tandem axle. But when you go to 28, definitely, you know, it's kind of like cheap insurance. Just get a triple axle. You're not going to have to worry about it. Not going to have to spend that time stressing about it, especially when you're up in that height. Mm. That's something I feel well that that we did not totally know in the yeah. beginning. So, yeah, because we have a twenty eight foot like trailer. That's a good point to touch on yeah. because we've had to calculate literally everything. <laughs> yes, yeah. So we have like a twenty eight foot trailer, tandem axle, but so that's why I always convince people because twenty eight feet is still one of the most popular sizes. I say, trust me, just go with the triple axle. You can get it under the weight capacity when, if you're doing a tandem, but take it from us. Everything we do, you know, is weight conscious. Yes. That was a big part of the siding to shave off a thousand pounds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, our kitchen, when we did a, the remodel, it's like, what is the weight of everything? You know, yeah. it's like, even when Jelly's passing along ideas. It's like, it's almost like, like a, I want to pile everything. You know, I'm just like, um, you know, it's like, I'm concerned about the weight. And we built, yeah, maybe not the time. Yeah. <laughs> and we built like a model exactly like ours with wood and everything. And it came in well under that 14,000 mm -hmm. pound for a tandem axle. Granted, that's before they put any furniture. Yeah. I'd like to tell you a little bit more about tiny house decisions my signature guide, and the resource that I wish I had when I was building my tiny house. It starts with the big decisions, which is, you know, should you build a tiny house yourself or with help? Um, is a, is a pre-built shell a good idea? Um, is a house on wheels better than on the ground and what works better for you? Deciding on the overall size, deciding on whether you should use custom plans or pre-made plans, different types of trailers and more. Uh, then in, the, in part two, we get into the system. So heat, water, showers, hot water, toilets, electrical, refrigeration, ventilation. And we're only two-thirds of the way through the book at this point. From systems, we go into construction decisions, talking about nails versus screws, sips versus stick framed versus advanced framing versus metal framing. Uh, we talk about how to construct a subfloor, sheathing, Roofing materials, insulation, windows, flooring, kitchen. I know I'm just reading off the table of contents, but I just want to give you a sense of how comprehensive Tiny House Decisions is. Uh, it's a total of 170 pages. It contains tons of full-color drawings, diagrams, and resources, and it really is the guide that I wish I had when I was building my tiny house. Right now, I'm offering 20% off any package of Tiny House Decisions using the coupon code TINY when you head over to thetinyhouse.net slash THD. That's THD for Tiny House Decisions. Again, that's coupon code TINY when you check out at thetinyhouse.net slash THD. So with the tandem versus the triple, you know, whether it's two 75,000-pound axles or three 5,000-pound axles, my understanding was that you end up you know, the triple is harder to maneuver. Um, but, it, but it sounds like you still recommend that as a trade-off because of, because why? Triple axle, I think, is actually... So for our triple axles, it's 21,000 pound capacity. Yeah. 
Okay. It's definitely a, a huge jump from the 14,000. Yeah, triple and, axle, the challenge I think when you're towing is the center tire is the pivot point. Mm -hmm. So you will have tire wear more with mm -hmm. the three tires because when you hit that pivot point, one tire is going to scrub. Well, both tires are going to scrub outside the pivot point. Okay. When it practical towing, like around town and stuff like that, um, the only thing is just a slightly wider turn, but I feel like that's more representative of the length of the mm -hmm. trailer you're driving. Mm -hmm. But in practice, like, I don't think it's actually more challenging to tow a triple axle, um, but you actually do get more peace of mind that your weight is distributed over a larger surface area. Right. So I think that kind of wears yeah. And I think too, for, you know, when we're talking to customers, if they're going to be traveling often versus if you're just traveling or moving your home from, you know, place to place once a year or once every couple of years, I would think the trade-off is not worth sacrificing the extra weight capacity just for something mm -hmm. that is, you know, for something like that, because having that extra weight capacity is a, a huge bonus. Yeah. Plus, yeah. For sure. A big peace of mind. Yeah. Cheap insurance. And then it's true. If you do change something out and, you know, in a few years you want to add tile or crazy hardwood floors and you're not yeah. being like, well, I didn't buy the weight capacity or, or I don't have it. <laughs> or stone fireplace because we yeah, have, we've had we've built a trailer for a customer that wanted a stone fireplace. So we're like, yeah. wow. we're going to have to move those axles back. You know, yeah. so. that's actually, um, a good segue into another thing I was wondering, which, you know, I get this question from time to time from readers around like how concerned they need to be and how obsessed they need to be about distributing the weight on that trailer. Like, you know, should it be heavier at the tongue? Should it be heavier at the other end? How balanced should it be? Or is it kind of like, well, if you put a house on it, it's going to be fairly balanced because the house is going to be on the whole trailer. What do you, what's your advice for that? I would say ideally it's good to have things kind of in the front part of the fenders towards the front, mm -hmm. kind of like the in, tongue. towards the tongue. Towards That's the kind tongue. of the ideal area for very heavy things. But the reality is like, I don't think people need to hyper-focus or stress out about it because um, if they have the proper weight capacity. Yeah, yeah. If you have the proper weight capacity, but also like say you're towing and the house does feel a little weird or, you know, if you have too much weight in the back, it tends to want to like lift up on the tongue. You know, if you have too much weight in the back, those things you can change, like as in like you can add a ballast or like say, hey, you can move the washer towards the tongue to kind of add a little bit more weight. But I kind of found that in practical sense of moving the, tr moving the tiny houses, little nuances of kind of having both sides very evenly balanced, isn't that too much of a deal? Unless, of course, you know, with reason, say you're going to have like all your appliances, washer, dryer, stairs on the left-hand side and nothing on the right, uh -huh. you know, then you're definitely going to notice some kind of, you're probably going to have a sway when you're actually towing. When towing, yeah. Um, but I would say just in general, you probably don't have to hy hyper-focus on it too much um, because there is okay. things you can't change. Um, what about different kinds of um, of steel? like? tube steel versus C-channel versus, I guess, I-beams. It seems like, just looking at your site, it looks like you're pretty much all tube from what I can see, but um, what's your advice there? We're all box tube frame uh, on all our trailers. We used to build C-channel as an option in California, 
what I found that it really kind of came down to preference. Uh, there are both dimensions of the uh, framing we use were both equally strong. It just kind of came down to preference on what people wanted to use. I-beams are generally used on much larger uh, trailer frames, like mm-hmm. mobile homes use I-beams or some of our very big goosenecks. Because we've built our biggest gooseneck to, de- uh, to date is um, 44-foot lower deck plus a 10-foot upper deck wow. by 12 feet wide. Oh, my gosh. Four axle. The beast. So <laughs> the main frame, we're using I-beams, especially for a 10-foot long span of a gooseneck hitch. Wow. We definitely, like, overkill on things like that. What would be the weight capacity of that of that house? What's the What was the estimate on that one? That one was 20. We built it to handle 28,000 pounds and kind of based off the customer's design, yeah. it was going to fall through that. That is, I would never want to tow that. Well, <laughs> to tow something like that, there aren't that many vehicles that can tow something like that. Do you need like a, a semi, like a tractor trailer to tow that or a tractor? Yeah. We had a customer that we built a custom tiny house for. 36 by 12. And um, yeah, it was a tractor that moved it. Yeah. A tractor makes it like no, you know, it's not hard at all. Yeah. Um, but it's also very costly to move something that's 12 feet wide. And uh, yeah, then you start to expensive. get into needing pilot cars for wind towing and all of that. So, right. 10 foot is like that great happy medium if somebody doesn't want to deal with that moving process. I feel like 10 feet, if they want to do wider than the norm, is a very comfortable tiny house for sure. Yeah, I would say um, eight and a half feet wide is great. Ten feet is amazing. Uh, don't go bigger. No, like, I, mean, I mean, don't say that. I'm I mean, teach his own. Teach his own. Like, 12 feet is great, too. It's, it's just, just challenging. Most of the time, people don't want to spend the expense because you do need pilot cards. And literally, your your towing expenses become triple. So, you yeah. know, how far you're going. If you're going, you know, an hour, maybe not a big deal. Once you start going over that, like, you know, open up your checkbook. Cause it's right. Gonna get a- yeah, <laughs> we, I, we have probably about. Okay, sorry. No, no, you you go ahead. I was going to say, we have about 12 to 15 12-foot-wide trailers in production now. And from a lot of these, these are they're usually very large. They're kind of like destination tiny houses, as in they, they always clarify it's it gets to its location. It's not going to move. It's not going to move. And it is going to be set up on piers. And, you know, it's totally like a fixture. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because I, I, I have no tiny house shaming for me like i i still think a 48 foot gooseneck is a tiny house but i think that you start to it you kind of get to the question of why is it on a trailer at that point because you know that's going to be a really expensive trailer you're getting into the like you could you could build a found you could pour a foundation for that much so why are you doing it on the trailer and if if the question if you have a good answer for it, great. But like, if it's just because you want a tiny house on a trailer, mm, yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. And I I do feel truly that tiny is subjective. It's it's different to everybody because mm-hmm. we all have different family sizes. We all have different needs. The answer I've been able to kind of deduce from why twelve feet wide is a lot of our customers that are in that size range 
are really calculating all the cost of what it costs to pour a foundation or to build the utilities on their property. Now, Montana, Idaho, Washington are very popular for those mm-hmm. wide, really big ones. They have properties. Yeah, they have property, right. they have the but space. they really, yeah, yeah, and they have done their homework on a, a trailer, even though as large as it is, is still the best economical decision mm-hmm. in the long run as a foundation for a house. Yeah, when maybe so. a foundation would cost the same amount for a traditional home as an entire tiny house at that site, even, yeah. you know. Wow. Because so. our, our customers definitely do their homework. I mean, we had the longest, I think, span was um, six years of talking to somebody from a first email to when we built the trailer for them. Yeah, some of these wow. are a real long play, like a yeah. real, real long play. So, And understandably so, because you know, saving up, depending on everyone's circumstances. I mean, you know, they're, they're not, they're not as cheap as people would like them to be, or maybe as mm-hmm. we think they are, you know, tiny houses are still expensive. Lumber costs are going up, steel costs are going up. There's a lot of price factors even. So saving up for it is always great. Loans are extremely limited for tiny houses getting a loan. Um, there's, there's still not a lot of options. So yeah, and many are doing great. it for the long haul. I mean, that, that was us. It was like, we didn't really have this idea of how long we would be in a tiny house. Yeah, we still don't. We're just like, yeah, don't we know. don't. We'll just yeah. roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> so far, so good. So yeah, We're happy. Yeah. We're content. And uh, I think a lot of people are going to that, like, I'm making this decision. You know, you can't, you don't know what the future holds. We all didn't know yeah. what last year was going to hold for us, you know, so. Yeah. I want to ask you, because you you've been making trailers for quite a few years. And so I feel like you've got a unique kind of view of the tiny house movement because ultimately everybody's got to come to you or to a trailer manufacturer, whether you're a professional builder or a DIYer who's going to put it together. So I want to kind of ask you about like what, what trends are you seeing over, over these years that you've been building trailers? Um, Have you seen a shift away from DIY towards contractor builds or, you know, yeah. T- what are some trends that have jumped out at you? Well, the, the trend I've noticed is they have been getting larger. That's, that's been like the biggest trend. Yes. I think for, for contractors or DIYs, I think it's still a mix. It's totally, mm-hmm. it's totally a mix. There are more contractors for sure, but there's plenty of DIYers that just, you know, there's no doubt that doing it yourself saves a lot of money. But I think the trend has definitely been slowly, progressively getting larger. And I do think that DIYs do take the bulk, Um, whether they are specking out their own trailer than having working with a contractor. But DIYers that are doing it for their own home are definitely the majority uh, still. And uh, we have sizes that I that I still think are like the most popular, like 28. 30, 32. Mm-hmm. And then when you do 10 foot wide versions of those, those have been like, I say, kind of the king on the hill mm-hmm. for a very long time. Those like are the most approachable, very yeah. approachable, very practical for design, a lot of flexibility for full time living. So those are, I think those trends on those sizes have still been very popular for the past like four or five years. And then, but yes, as Shelly said, there's definitely a trend for people wanting bigger and wider. Yeah. Um, or even like, I kind of, I mean, I love in like, we ship a lot of trailers to Hawaii because we're pretty close to the port. So we've shipped hundreds of trailers to Hawaii and they have definitely gone for like bigger 40 foot by 10 goosenecks. And I like the, I love the idea of two little tiny houses 
you know, and like a oh, deck yeah. connecting them. Like that's super popular in Hawaii. Almost like they have like a nice or even a room in between. One on the between. main deck and then another little house on the gooseneck. Two separate little structures. On the other side, like basically two tiny houses. Two tiny houses. And a deck in between. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen a shift like towards goosenecks? Yeah, there's been, I would say it's a very small, there's always been a popularity for goosenecks, but it definitely gets a little bit more increased every year. What would you say? I think so too. I mean, oh, it's kind of hard because it is just preference, but goosenecks are, they're great for the fact that you can have a bedroom that you can stand in, but then some mm-hmm. people just don't care about that. And um, the only thing I would say about a gooseneck is it can be a little deceiving because you can have a 40 foot gooseneck, but it takes eight feet of your actual length of livability away because it is dedicated to a bedroom most mm. of the times versus having a loft where you have the entire floor and a loft above it. So for those who maybe have like, oh, you know, bad knees and, or they just, or they're very tall, <laughs> you know, uh, they want a gooseneck. So they have a bedroom that they can usually stand stand in but yeah there has been an increase but and a a big bonus for customizing a gooseneck is because we build each trailer custom we can design the deck of the gooseneck to be very low that only a flatbed truck would tow but most people on these goosenecks aren't towing them often Mm. so with our our shippers you can you know call in and say hey i need to move my tiny house but it, it needs a flatbed which is not a big deal but the bonus is they're getting a lot more usable space where they're only having a couple steps into that gooseneck bedroom. Yeah. Um, so that's been really popular for people doing goosenecks of having that deck lower mm. and being able to stand and have upper cabinets and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, but goosenecks are, could be, yeah, can be super highly customized because there's so much more detail with yeah, them. Yeah, so. it's, just, it's just completely preference for each individual. And you could have a garage underneath, which I would be all about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are lacking in garage space that's, the man who has a lot of tools that's, that's <laughs> yeah. a big struggle that's been the and toys. i i think my dream setup is is a tiny house and a big workshop or a big garage to store all the gear absolutely i absolutely agree with you you would have like a five thousand square foot garage and then we would probably downsize our tiny house yeah. if it was if like, <laughs> i like the living space just need a little yeah a little, little, little small little workshop you yeah. know <laughs> So have you considered potentially, you know, trying to find your own land and, and, you know, building out that dream garage? We, we have, we, we always kind of casually, like we have an incredible situation where we're at. So it's almost hard to. Hard to leave. Yeah. I mean, we have a, like a really beautiful setting that it, for where we're at, there's just no way we could or would want to afford the land out where we're at. So. Mm-hmm. But we do always kind of casually look. I mean, we do want to stay in California. Our our family is here. Family friends were established and, you know, we like it. But we, we keep an eye out. But it just, again, it's the same. It, how much we want to spend on, and I don't the know. time. I think the some time, of the, the yeah. time, it's like, you know, time is very short just in general. And it's like, is this going to be another complicated thing of prepping land when we're very comfortable and just another thing to take away? From the limited time we have yeah. and i think we're very we i mean i don't think we are very content and we do have a very good situation it's very pretty here especially when the grass is green it's currently gold <laughs> in california right now but uh but we also don't too dwell too much on about like i guess what ifs for the future yeah. i think we've 
played around with the idea, but we don't too concerned too it, much about I it. I think if this circumstance would fit and fit the the amount we would want to spend on it, because it'd be one of those things we don't want to have to work extra hard just for a property that we then need to fix up and then literally have no time to do anything. The benefit right. right now is that we have a low cost of living. And if we're feeling like we just need to get away during the week, we can pop up and go and take our work with us. And that's a nice luxury to have. And I think if we were to currently be kind of like married to a property, we would feel like we constantly have this responsibility to like get this project done and get the, you know, get this and this and that. And that. So for now we're, we're happy, but it's, you know, anything can change, but currently we don't foresee us doing that anytime soon. But yeah, you know, I always keep my eyes open. Yeah. Nice. Um, I wanted to, I had actually one more question about, about trailers and that is what, um, you know, since they are all custom, what is the most common kind of system or advice that you give to people on how to best and safely attach their house to the trailer? Like has the, have we kind of, as a tiny house community kind of centered around and agreed upon like a a common way of doing that or is it still kind of each case by case yeah um great question the best there's kind of a two options we always recommend using simpson strong ties like htt4 or htt5 to tie in like the king studs to the trailer but how do you tie those to the trailer so the option is either welding on threaded rods or bolting them through the outer frame of the trailer and attaching that to the frame of the house to, you know, connect them. So, yeah, so we offer that at the factory of welding on the threaded rods um, as an option. So they have those tie down points. And we always kind of like our default location is like 10 inches before and after the fenders, 10 inches uh, from the corners and then four feet in the field. That gives you way more than you need tie down points to have that structure really tightly tied and attached to the trailer. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like really the best method on tying that wall framing to the trailer to make it one full piece. So whether you want us to do it for you or you do it yourself by bolting or welding, that's really the best way. Got it. Okay. So it sounds like the threaded rod is is a good way to go. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, one one thing that I've heard, and I don't know if this is kind of a myth or whether this is something that you would you would agree with, is just not to drill into the tube because once you, if you were to try to put a rod through the tube, you basically could create a point where water could get inside of the tube. That is true. Yeah, you could, in you know, water can intrude into it if you are drilling. You know, and then also if you are drilling into it, it is always better to weld, I think, Mm -hmm. Um, because if you do drill into it, you would have to have a nut at the bottom of the box tube and then a nut inside the wall framing, making sure those are both nice and tight. So it's an extra step. I do feel like welding is a better solution. Right. But uh, yeah, and you can easily seal that intrusion with caulking, you know, if you do drill through. Um, but most people generally, it's not expensive at all to have them welded on, even if you're doing it at the factory or having a local welder do it. Very simple process, but I think welding it is the best way to do because you can just you only have one nut to worry about inside the wall frame. Yeah. 
And that's something that when customers are ordering that we offer is to have them welded on for them. So if they have like a plan already down or there's kind of a, what is it like a standard placement that yeah. they could work around when ordering a trailer too. Yeah. So, and the yeah. standard placement of that 10 inches and four feet in the field works out perfect because it's more than enough. And say they want to put a doorway in certain locations, it's easy just to cut one off if it's in the way. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's a good point about the water. Where do you see the tiny house movement in, in five years? Ooh. Booming. <laughs> I mean, every year it's, it's increased for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, I, mean, it's been it's what, I think it's, it's every year it's getting busier and busier and, and more people are embracing it. And, and uh, counties, it's just paving the way to make it easier for people that are apprehensive. And I mean, we've had people that didn't, were a little apprehensive about going forward, then counties are paving the way for more, you know, laws and regulations to allow it. Also, especially with COVID in March, like we're like, okay, we can kind of like tackle some projects, but the reality was- Yeah, we thought we were going to have a little bit of a slowdown. Yeah, we didn't have any slowdown. We didn't have any slowdown. <laughs> Everybody kind of said like, oh my gosh, this is like even more so of a reason for us to downsize, you know, kind of jump on this tiny house, um, you know, dream that we've been planning and thinking of. Mm -hmm. So I really think about this with COVID and just kind of how the economy is and just the higher cost of living. I mm -hmm. think that it's going to just continue to steadily grow as it has been the past, you know, six, seven, seven years that we've been involved in it because yep. it's been a steady uptick. People are, you know, really seeing the, the beauty of simplifying and downsizing and, and, you don't have to be a minimalist to be a tiny house or we absolutely are not minimalist. No, so I think no, I when, we work sometimes, yeah. but <laughs> and I think when people We're see on it. <laughs> when, when people kind see of. people that are successfully living in tiny houses that they can relate to, it just makes it more approachable and practical for them in their life. Yeah. Yeah. That was what it was for us. We related to, you know, couples that we saw and were like, mm -hmm. yeah, we could do this. Awesome. Um, well, one, one last question that I like to ask my guests is what are two or three resources that, you know, helped you out along the way that, that you'd like to share with, with our listeners that could be books or YouTube channels or movies or, or really anything. <laughs> I would like to, uh, one would be a shameless plug <laughs> to our book that we wrote, uh, tiny house basics, living the good life in small spaces. That's, um, our book. We kind of help to simplify people. Mm -hmm. So that's we, the, sh we did, plug. we did it in the sense of, because, because of that, because you're kind of like, what do I look to? You yeah. know? So. Um, I really, I remember when I think about planning, I really enjoyed Derek Dietrichson's YouTube channel. Oh yeah. Derek, that's always you know, great. I love his like, you know, bright designs, his architecture, even though a lot of it is not necessarily tiny house on wheels. Uh, but that was a big resource. Um, Kent and Tiny House Blog has been awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, your website has been a great resource and continues to be to this day. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of like, I think the, you know, like veterans in the tiny house world that are still here that have contributed so much and the archives, you know, on those websites have really uh, helped a lot too. One of my first contacts too was Andrew Odom. A tiny revolution yep. and tiny house yeah, yeah. blog. He was a huge resource too. So, yeah. you know, I always think, say, dig down in those like older articles because they're still useful uh, to this day. I mean, and thankfully for a lot of people now, there's like such an abundance of information that it's almost overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I feel like you can 
pretty much Google anything and or look on Instagram and YouTube and there's mm-hmm. so much information and I almost kind of feel sorry for people right now because there is so much information whereas when we were looking at it we're like all right we've got like two options <laughs> what do we do so there's two um, YouTube channels yeah to choose from. <laughs> so. yeah well it's been so great uh chatting with both of you Joshua and Shelly Ingberg thank you so much for being guests on the show yeah, yeah thank you so much us. for having us Thank you so much to Joshua and Shelly Ingberg for being guests on the show today. You can find the show notes, including a full transcript from this episode, links to Tiny House Basics, and photos of the amazing, entertaining abode, that's Joshua and Shelly's tiny house, at thetinyhouse.net slash 163. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 163. Also, don't forget to check out Tiny House Decisions and get 20% off your order when you use the coupon code TINY at checkout. That website is thetinyhouse.net slash THD. Again, thetinyhouse.net slash THD. Well, that's it for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.